tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome to another shift on the Geek's Watch. Man, do we have a huge episode this this week. Um, John, I have to say, if we weren't already talking about Stranger Things Season 2, Episode 3, we'd be talking, this would be a completely Disney episode. Because there's a lot of Disney news this week. I feel like I don't know what to do with my hands right now. There's so much news out there. <laughs> uh, and not only that, we're going to talk a little bit about Thor Ragnarok. So we'll have that part of Disney to talk about. And uh, wow, I don't know what happened over there at Disney this week. But they just decided all the things are going to happen when we need to tell you about it. So let's, let's, let's go ahead and start. start. Before we talk about Disney, let me talk about some other geek news. Uh, we have Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad 2 will more than likely be where they're going to introduce uh, The Rock's Black Adam into the DCEU. What do you think about that? They, they do have a writer for the Black Adam movie. The Rock announced it on his Twitter, but uh, it sounds like he'll be introduced in Suicide Squad 2 first. Yeah, it sounds like they just need to kind of put him in there as a placeholder. I'm pretty sure he's going to have a very, very small part if anything, he's probably going to be like an after-credit cameo. Really? You don't think he'll be the villain? I don't think he'll be the villain. I think he's going to be the driving force behind the story. Mm. I don't think we're going to see him for the most part. Though. Or maybe even his country of Kandak. Maybe, yeah. Like, they're going to need them to infiltrate it. Yeah, I could see that. They'll have to infiltrate it, and, like, he'll be the, the ruler there, and, like, they'll be like, well, whatever you do, do not go close to him because you guys are not nearly as powerful enough to take take on a living god yeah i mean unless carly quinn gets close enough with katana's blade and again you know, yeah <laughs> most unlikely you know way to dispatch the magical villain yeah so uh the i guess one of the writers from his rampage movie that he's doing uh, I, I can't remember exactly who what the writer's name is i'm sorry it's probably one of the kurtzman or orsies it's not <laughs> it's, it's it's someone else uh but that's uh, they they're he's going to be the writer of Black Adam, so that will be our anti-hero for the DCU, I think. I mean, other than the Suicide Squad themselves, are all a bunch of anti-heroes. I guess. I mean, you got to have one that's worse than the others, I suppose. <laughs> Speaking of, you brought up Alex Kurtzman. You know, uh, it looks like Universal has gone ahead and put their Dark Universe movies on hold. You know, uh, The Mummy just did not do well enough, and I guess there's just not enough buzz for uh, the rest of the universe, that, which they had already decided who was going to play these roles, like uh, Angela jo- Angelina Jolie, uh, uh, who was uh, Javier Bardem, Johnny Depp, you know, all these roles they had already thrown Russell out there. Russell Crowe, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Russell Crowe was already in The Mummy. 
Uh, but he was going to have his own standalone, right? He was Dr. Jekyll? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Yeah. Hyde, yeah. I mean, I, did anybody really think that, especially after seeing the movie, that this would lead to anything? I mean, I didn't think the movie was all that bad. It, it could have been a lot better, but it, I didn't think it was all that bad. I mean, it wasn't the movie that we needed or deserved, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly think they had the foundation for a good mummy-verse already with the previous movies. I mean, we already had three mummy movies. I mean, maybe Frasier's just not up for it anymore, and you need to make them take place in modern times. But it could be a descendant of Frasier. Yeah, it could have been. That, that wouldn't have been a bad idea. You know, and that could have linked them all up, so there's already some establishedness going on there. They could have even maybe still linked any of the other... Frankenstein movies and the Wolfman movie. Well, and the Dracula Untold story that yeah, was supposed to. They all could have still technically been related to this, man, but they wanted to reboot the whole thing, have some serious star power behind it. And honestly, I think some of these stars' powers is kind of waning a little bit. Yeah I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, Tom Cruise, I don't think, is the box office draw that he used to be at one point in time. Um, but I, I'll tell you this I'll go and see his movies, I enjoy them. Yeah, it's 50-50 for me when it comes to Tom Cruise. I definitely don't go for him. I go in spite of him. Mm, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, some more non-Disney news at this, moment, at this moment. Creed 2, which we know is going to be directed by Sylvester Stallone, has cast Ivan Drago's son. Uh, it's, it's MMA fighter Sage Northcutt. Uh, I don't know him. I don't I don't know anything about him i don't i don't watch mma but uh yeah he will be playing ivan drago's son so obviously apollo creed's son um adonis is gonna have to fight him how cool would it be if his name is billy drago (laughs) why billy because of the other actor from briscoe county jr billy drago i don't i think he pronounces his name drago i think uh you don't remember billy drago i don't uh, he was the main villain in the Briscoe County. So game. he, oh, that's the name of the actor. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I remember that actor and I remember that show. I yeah. just didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know it. I guess I never knew that guy's his actual uh, name. Yeah, that's just one of the weird trivia things I hold onto in my brain for <laughs> when I go on drinks. What is it? Nerds who drink. Geeks who drink. Greeks, geeks who drink. Geeks yeah. who drink. Yeah. You know what? I've been thinking we should like find out how we can like get that started up at, at a local bar here and maybe we should run it. Absolutely. That sounds like a plan. I'm going to put that on my things to do. Yeah. There we go. Uh, have you have you seen Creed? Uh, no, not the new one. Uh, I, everything I hear is sounds that it's good, so it's I'm going to go movie. along and say that, you know what, it's probably good. And, you know, Ryan Coogler had this idea to, to make Creed for a long time. Uh, Sylvester Stallone almost was not even involved in the movie until Ryan came and talked to him. and was like, look, uh, I have this great idea, and I think it, it really helps if you would be involved. And uh, it, 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 it turned out to be a, a really great movie. And... Uh, I, I, I'm I'm happy. I, it's unfortunate that he's not going to return to be, do the second the sequel, but I'm guessing he's going to be he's kind of involved with all this Black Panther stuff right now, uh, seeing as how he's made that. But more power to him. Uh, another piece, Ellen Page. She has been tapped to star in Netflix's Umbrella Academy, which I think we've talked about a few times here already. Yes, we have. Uh, that's um, the comic book that was created by. Gerard Wade, frontman for My Chemical Romance. Yes. Um, 
I read the first trade of this story, Volume 1, I believe. Uh, interesting story about a family of orphans or genetically enhanced orphans that uh, all live... Uh, they all have different special powers and stuff. Uh, really cool. Uh, I Let me see if it says who she's been... Cat, uh, Paige will play Vanya, who is described as the black sheep of her dysfunctional family, uh, a meek and insecure wallflower who is struggling to find her place in the world. Vanya is the only one of the adopted children without superhero abilities. Okay. Any any input on that? Uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not familiar enough with Umbrella Academy really to have an opinion, but... Ellen Pages does pretty solid work, so and from what I hear, Umbrella Academy has its fan base. It's it uh, really does. It's yeah. not for everyone, but it's apparently got a good following. So um, if it's got the Netflix seal of approval, I would definitely check it out. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, that's interesting that you put it that way. Um, but with Ellen Page, like I watched her last movie, which was the Flatliners reboot mm-hmm. remake. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I always feel like there's this air of of she's she picks better material to do, and that movie was just not good. So, I wonder if she's I don't want to say more desperate, or if she's just like looking for <laughs> things to do. Yeah, maybe she's not getting a lot of work lately, and that just kind of came across her. She was like, oh, that sounds like something." Hmm. Writing the '80s nostalgia. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what that movie was trying to. I, it, it, you know, I'm always I've never faulted anybody for doing remakes of movies or reboots or remakes because uh, like that's just what it is you know 80s movies get remade right now because the 80s it's that 30 year mark that is it's time to to do it you know everything's like Pennywise the clown every 30 years they gotta come back <laughs> but I I just feel like if you're gonna remake something now make make it make there be a reason why you're remaking it now like use the special effects that you couldn't use back then or uh i mean if it calls for it don't just throw in special effects for no reason but give it some kind of reason why it it needs to be made again right now you know what i mean and that one just didn't do anything like there seemed like like if you do you you remember the original joel schumacher flatliners from back in the day okay yeah did you enjoy it Eh, I watched it. I remember watching it, and like I remember bits and pieces. Like they have weird visions after their flatline experiences mm-hmm. of like things they feel guilty of, or yeah, it's all about you know your your conscience like physically attacking you. Yeah, like your past coming back to haunt you or mm-hmm. something like that. So, but it wasn't one of those that made a lasting impression on me. Like let's say something like Goonies or Gremlins did. Uh, so, I mean, this time around, I mean, they kind of do a lot of the same thing, but you don't, there's nothing really that to elaborate on or make better or even, uh, they didn't include any of the, uh, much updated science of like neuro, you know, I mean, they use, they, you, they, you, they were a little bit more scientific in using like more medical equipment. They use an MRI machine while, you know, (laughs) while the experiment is going on. Whereas, you know, the original story, they just were in a dark room and had a heart monitor and defibrillator yeah, yeah that was so much um yeah it was it was not as good as i was hoping for uh so yeah ellen page umbrella academy netflix waning star power which netflix i guess is you know now that they are in the mark miller mark millar business 
Uh, he is making a comic book for Netflix, which I thought was weird. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't know if it's going to be a motion comic book like on Netflix, or if it's going to be something that you're just going to, you can buy it at at your local comic book store, and it's just going to have the Netflix logo on it, or if they're going to make the comic book and then they're going to make a show based off the the comic book. There's so many more questions than answers right now when <laughs> it comes to this. It's called the Magic Order, I believe, and that's I just it's. Okay, that's where we're going with yeah. that. <laughs> I mean that that kind of opens up the door. Maybe they'll have a, um, you know, a motion comic section of where the, you can watch interactive comics. Oh, that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, especially if they have some voice acting and you know, kind of neat. Or if it's really something as simple as they're just gonna produce comic books in the regular printed format, then kind of a want want, but. Still, maybe they'll have more freedom through Netflix than, let's say, through one of the bigger publishers. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I mean, at this point, we know way too little, so it's easy to get overly excited about something that could just be very simple. Uh, okay, what, what's some of the news that you wanted to talk about? I have the uh, writer of Jurassic World and Kong Skull Island has been tapped to write the Metal Gear Solid movie. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. how do you feel about the Metal Gear Solid series? I love the Metal Gear Solid franchise as a whole. However, I definitely like each installment less and less. Oh, wow. The further we go from Metal Gear Solid. I wasn't a big fan of the 8-bit versions. <clears throat> I just They were too hard for me Went back when I was a kid. Metal Gear Solid for PS1 came out at the perfect time. It was like a quintessential game for me. And... I really loved that, the, just the story, the way it was told, the the hidden stuff in it. If you really dig into it, like it's just really deep. It's got a huge lore behind it. Yeah. And I think if they do, it, if anything, it lends itself to a cinematic universe like very few other gaming franchises do at this point. I mean, the fact that Hideo Kojima, you know, the producer of the series, intended to actually get into movie making first and somehow ended up in video game design by accident says a lot about this that you know he injects a lot of that flair into it his games are very cinematic and very ahead of their time as a matter of fact so if they keep to the lore and they hire a good director uh, i'm talking somebody like uh, um blomkamp oh wow i mean it's gotta have somebody who has a really good solid grasp of like practical effects uh, because there's a lot of really big stuff happening, but a lot of what Blomkamp has already done, like, it's a good showcase for what would be required to make a good uh, Metal Gear. As a matter of fact, I've joked around that Chappie could have technically have been a backdoor uh, demo reel for a good Metal Gear movie, because <clears throat> the big baddie in that one, the Ed 209 ripoff, <laughs> has a very striking resemblance to the Metal Gear Rex from the first... Uh, Metal Gear Solid. You know what I think would would who would make a good oh and I don't know I remember his name right now but uh, the director of Hardcore Henry. I don't know if you watched that movie or not. Oh yeah yeah um who was that the Russian guy I think yeah the ones that did the uh, that hardcore YouTube video or whatever yeah what yeah. was it the but either way that it's just <laughs> I, I think that he'd be pretty biting elbows that was yeah that's song. right yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that'd be pretty. He'd be interesting choice for uh, 
Metal Gear Solid. I don't. I, I wouldn't want the whole movie to be in first-person view like that, <laughs> yeah. but I think he would be an interesting choice. No, yeah, that actually is a good point, yeah, because a lot of practical stuff can be done on camera, mm-hmm. not necessarily having to be first-person, but the fact that it, it can be done that way as opposed to relying overly on, you know, obviously fake CGI or right. something that takes you out of it. So I'm excited for the possibility. Could it be the first really, really good video game adaptation? I hope so, because it already lends itself to that cinematic It kind of does, flair. as long as they stick with the story. Yeah, I hope it's not some crazy thing where it's just the name only and something completely unrelated. Or uh, And I hope it's Metal Gear Solid. I hope they don't... See, do the snake eater or <laughs> you know any of the prequels of like the origin of big boss or anything like that no i hope we start with metal gear solid so i've never been a metal gear solid fan like i mean not that i hate it i just never played it um okay. i think i played i don't know which one it's it might be two uh for like a couple minutes or a couple you know for a little bit and mm-hmm. just never picked it up again but I did always thought it was. In- I did always think it was interesting that you know it's uh, was it Se- Sequoia Snake or Sequoia Pliskin or Pl- oh Snake Pliskin. Well, it's Snake Pliskin from the the Escape movies. Uh huh. But isn't a Solid Snake or no? What's the name of your the protagonist in? Well, the name of your protagonist is Solid Snake. Okay. Um, but in part two, he does go by the alias uh, Snake Pliskin. See. And that's why I always thought, you know, it's interesting that, in, which I, earlier this week I was just thinking, you know, and this comes around to the whole remakes thing. Is like, why hasn't anybody done a remake of like Escape from New York? Like, I really feel like that movie would benefit from being made in, in nowadays. In the now, yeah. If you ever hear back to how they did some of the special effects, it's like, whoa, like that sounds so like low budget, but it works. Like, I think for a, like a topographical map of New York that they did. It was literally just like a model with some, it was done in black, like cardboard. Oh, wow. And they just added some fluorescent paint on it and filmed it that way. So it looks like it's a like a video scan of like a 3D rendering of the landscape when it's really just a model with some paint on it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that sounds so cool. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, Snake Plissken is definitely a reference to Escape from New York. Um Right down to the character wearing an eye patch in yeah. that game, uh-huh. uh, which he didn't have in the first game. And that's been kind of a continuing theme in Metal Gear games is that the character of Snake, whether it's the original or one of the clones, um, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, they always end up losing an eye and have to, you know, eventually end up in an eye patch. Well, that's, you know, it, that, it's, it could be a thing. Uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see as that develops. Yep, and they definitely uh, used the cue from that for Ragnarok, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, any other, what's some of the other news that you have before we get to the Disney stuff? Uh, let's see, another and non-Disney one is, let's see here, uh, Tessa Thompson, um, loosely related to the Disney stuff. True. She played <clears throat> Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok, and she was also in Westworld yeah. as uh, the director or executive. And she was in Creed. And she was in Creed, which I have not seen. <laughs> but I agree it's good. <laughs> she says that she would like to play the character of Alana in a screen adaptation of Saga. Which, or Saga. Yeah, which, I mean, that is a pretty incredible uh, movie. Or comic book, I'm sorry. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine it 
you know, her not doing a great job. I just yeah. don't think that she would be the the actress I would go with. Yeah, I think she looks. I mean, I think she could definitely pull the part off. Um, who would you think would be a, a better candidate? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I think Rosario Dawson would be great. Um, okay, might be a bit too old for the part, but I could see her doing it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I would need some more time. It's just uh, mm. I just don't feel like Tessa Thompson was the is the best to go with. But I, I wouldn't be upset if she got the role. I, I do like her. What I would think is more important than the casting in this particular case, and although casting is important, I think they need to make sure they get the right budget for the uh, production design and effects. Mm. You would need something on the level of like Valyrian and the oh. City of a Thousand Planets. You know, I wouldn't be upset with Luke Passan directing the movie. That also would be awesome. Yeah. Although... He might be in uh, movie jail right now due to because of Valerian. <laughs> yeah, Valerian not performing very well. So yeah, but he 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 made that all himself. Like that was all his own money. He didn't have to. So there's oh, no studio that financed. I, I I believe so, or at least he went and or like private investors. Yeah, private investors. Okay. So so no studio is going to be upset at him. I just think that you know they, they you're right. He might be in a little bit of movie jail right now or he might be there just like licking his wounds and be like yeah i need to recoup from this i wonder i wonder how if that's going to do well when it comes out for home sales well i know i definitely missed it when it was in theaters although i wanted to see it and i thought it was incredible everything i've heard is that it's not that it's bad it's just that it's kind of unremarkable story-wise but visually it's like amazing exactly and yeah it's exactly how i put it and, and they just really miscast the the two leads like I, I don't know the story, like the actual comic book that it's based off of, but I just feel like for this, you did not, th those two leads were just not a good idea. Well, interestingly enough, some of what I've read about the original comic, and I've seen some video on, um, on YouTube, um, there's a lot that was borrowed from Valyrian that was used in Star Wars. Really? Almost uh, shot for shot in some cases, yeah. Like the original Star Wars. Yes, 77. Wow. Because wow, Valerian's been around since like the late 60s, early 70s. Well, I mean, I know the the, the yeah, Star Wars franchise, the original three were... A lot of stuff was taken from a lot of different things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. And like the... I mean, the biggest thing of all is The Hero's Journey, which is like this basically the story of Excalibur. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's tons of stuff that it borrows from. It's just the way that it put it together. I like the way that Tarantino describes that kind of appropriation as basically being a DJ. He yeah. says, you're taking things that exist, but you're making it into something new by combining them in different and exciting ways. I'm like, okay. Or you can also say you're just kind of like stealing from things. But It's sampling. <laughs> yeah, it's sampling. There you go. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, Saga would be pretty credible. But I think the last I saw was that there's no plans and anything in the immediate future of Saga being adapted to TV or movies. Yeah, that's what I think. At this point, she's just kind of throwing it out there, kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to whoever may have the rights. Right. And just kind of throwing it out there. I wonder who does have the rights. I don't know. Uh, okay, did you have another non-Disney one yet? Uh, no, that's all my non-Disney because everything else is pretty much that. So, Ryan Johnson, writer, director, uh, directing Last Jedi, has been tapped to create an all-new Star Wars trilogy after Episode Nine, right? Yeah, yes. Nine. Yes, uh, rumors are are just going crazy right now as to what exactly that could entail. 
Um, the my favorite rumor is that it could be a Knights of the Old Republic yeah. storyline, which would be incredible. Right. Ever since the first game came out, I'm like, holy shit! This game alone is better than the entire prequel trilogy combined. <laughs> like this is amazing. You know, the the twist, the story, the characters. It's just like wow. Like Bioware should be in charge of LucasArts or whatever. They, Lucas they, they definitely said it's going to take place. It's going to step away from the the Skywalker saga. Uh, it, it will be something that we haven't seen yet in movie-wise, I guess. So and that could mean anything, though. It really can. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's incredible. Now that coming along with uh, Disney's also going to have a Star Wars TV show on their Disney streaming channel subscription channel website. <laughs> Whatever service they're providing, yeah. Um, yeah, but have they stated what that's going to entail? Because there's been several Star Wars TV shows. That have been tossed around, yeah. The idea of it has been tossed around for a long time. But I think now with the fact that they have this streaming channel, which they're going to need content on, it's more likely going to happen. Yeah, so I wonder what they're going to do. They're, it's going to probably have to be something where they can keep the cost down. But I would love if they would do a live-action television show. Dealing with the uh, the Republic Commandos. I don't know what that is. The Republic Commandos are they take place during the Clone Wars. Okay. But they're essentially like these elite clones that are um, they're not just drones. They have much more personality. In many cases, um, they were rejected clones uh, because they had too much personality. Basically, they didn't fall in line. But rather than be destroyed, some of the the uh, sergeants that were training the clone trooper armies took them under their wing and became like um, their adopted father. And you have these things called null arcs, and it's this whole deep thing. Um, I think uh, Karen Travis, the author that does a, did a lot of Lucas uh, art books, and she's done also Halo and uh, Gears of War, among other things. She created the entire culture of the Mandalorians. Um, you know, the the culture that Boba Fett is a part of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she did a really great job just creating a mythology and a, and a history for the Mandalorians and the clones and, like, fulfilling much more of their story. And in typical Lucas fashion, he didn't like that somebody was doing much better with his property than he did, so <laughs> he put a kibosh on it, which caused her to basically quit LucasArts and, like, decide never to... Uh, work for them again after wow. all the hard work that she put into it it's really kind of sad because she did such a great job with it but the republic commando series there was also a video game based on the books and um you it's it's really awesome i mean on as just a video game it's amazing but the fact that it takes place during the clone wars it's republic commando stuff and there's a lot of lore in it it's uh you definitely if you're a star wars fan should check it out it, it plays a lot like uh let's say something like halo except it's also squad based so you control not just yourself but you also can tell your your squad mates what to do well you know that's that would be interesting that'd be uh something that they should definitely dive into uh we there's and as you've already said there's lots of star wars to be explored uh that has not been oh yeah in a live action format but yeah, Republic or uh, Old Republic would be my main hope for the new trilogy. So, would you not want? I, and I, I really don't know where the Old Republic, and I, I assume it's before Episode One. Oh, the Old Republic. by like a few thousand years. So, yeah. would you not want a, a new trilogy to explore something 
into the future, like not into the future, but just, you know, stay in the present kind of thing. Like you'd, you'd want a new trilogy to go back in the past to where the old Republic is. So it would be star Wars episode 10 Knights of the old Republic. Oh, I don't think this would be part of that same continuity. Um, in the same way that rogue one isn't part of like, you know, a particular episode, it's more like a side story. Right. I don't think that they would have, I mean, if they do have episodes again, this would be the episode one of like a whole different storyline within Star Wars. So, do you feel like the, when they say Star Wars episode whatever, that's that's only going to be pertaining to this to the to the Skywalker saga? Yes, that I think, sucks. I think if they create a new trilogy, either they're going to knock off the Star Wars moniker and call it something else, like um, the old or uh, Knights of the Old Republic episode one, for uh-huh. instance, would be, and that'll be the the Kotor series now like thing which kind of makes me wonder if they'll rebrand the current uh what would you call it if it's going to be nine parts in total is it a trilogy of trilogies or a uh <laughs> i don't know uh like ninology whatever see that. i would if i was them and obviously they know what they're doing because they're disney but if if i was running this stuff i would want to i would want to keep the star wars moniker and and be like no star wars doesn't only exist for the skywalker family this is this is a other thing so i would still want star wars episode 10 you know knights of the old republic or whatever the next yeah, thing would be i don't think they're gonna keep that naming uh convention though because if you think about it rogue one is a star wars story yeah i understand that but and it solo is just solo i don't even think it says I, star wars on it i think it still says star a star wars story on star there. wars solo I think it says it's solo a Star, a Star Wars, Wars story, story yeah. Uh, I but I'm not was, sure. Yeah. I, I could be. Wrong. I just I know that they use the 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 circle around the solo just like that, they did the that circle. That little border. Yeah, that little border thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. Uh, did you have other Star Wars news? Did we have any other Star Wars news? Uh, not specifically Star Wars. No. Okay, so Disney continuing with Disney, uh, their Marvel TV shows. So stuff that's like on Netflix now, The Defenders, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. Daredevil. Well, there's going to be a new show that's going to be a live action show that they're going to develop, uh, and it's going to uh, for Marvel, and it's going to be on their streaming channel also. So new Marvel shows will be on there. Yeah, everything's going to move house. It's like the their Disney's keeping the kids in the divorce. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean. This is where I can I can talk. I couldn't talk too much on on what where they can go with Star Wars, but with with Marvel, oh man! If they did like a Spirits of Vengeance show, I mean they already developed they already have uh, Robbie Reyes as uh, a ghostwriter. What if if you brought in a Johnny Blaze and a Danny Ketch, and you had the three ghostwriters just like doing a show together, and you made it all supernatural, and they were fighting demons and ghosts and shit, that'd be <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, we bring out Moon Knight. Like I I, I really hope Disney doesn't like like let things come like uh, uh i don't know um make it real pg i guess is the best way to put it mm. uh so i i don't see why they would but i just hope that that's not something that would happen but like a moon knight tv show that would be incredible um it could uh, there's so many great characters that it still could be utilized and made what do they call that series where it's usually like wolverine punisher and ghost rider uh those well those are well wolverine punisher and ghost oh the knights the marvel knights marvel knights is that what that is yeah, yeah something like that where they have like the anti-heroes and 
they do dark stuff. I mean, that that was a brand for Marvel. They even had a Spider-Man Marvel Knight at one time and a Fantastic Four Marvel Knight. So it's not really like anti-heroes, but it was a little bit more dark. It wasn't as dark as their their Max series. Mm. Now, Max, that was Punisher and Blade, um, which takes place outside of the regular Marvel U, and they're kind of their own universe where they kind of, they're definitely a lot darker and a lot bloodier and stuff. Mm. And there's not as much influence of the bigger like galactic threats. I take it. Correct. It's more street level. Right. Yeah. That's the one thing I feel that they really need to figure out how to reconcile, you know, cause I know they make a few mentions in the, the Netflix shows like, Oh yeah. You know, and the green guy, you know, and uh, the, the super Patriot, like they just kind of make passing references but they don't really address that, like, oh, yeah, like, I was in Times Square when, like, that big bug thing crashed down. Ah, so you, you would like it better if the, the Netflix shows, as is right now, made more reference to what's going on in the rest of the MCU. Yeah, because I feel like, especially if you were living in New York, uh, it would probably be kind of difficult not to talk about it or maybe pass by a location that was wrecked at one point. Well, see, I feel like in the first Daredevil, they, they mentioned the incident over and over and over, and that was supposed to be the invasion of New York by the Chitari in the first Avengers movie. Yeah, but it's almost like they talk about it in a way that they don't want to talk about it. Like, it's right. still too fresh. We yeah. Can't, okay, know. fair enough. Yeah, so, like, it's just a little bit better integration of that. What I'm kind of hoping for, because I don't have a lot of money uh, to be purchasing all these different, um, you know, subscription services. You know, DC wants to have their own and uh, Netflix and Marvel and all this other, and Disney. I, as much as I hate Disney's corporate you know control that they're having right now it would probably save me a lot of money if they just also bought netflix (laughs) and that way everything is under their umbrella it's like okay fine i just pay money to a different company but it still get everything i want yeah it does suck to have to buy all these different subscriptions and i think we've we've talked about that several times but what are you gonna do about it yeah well i guess vote with your dollar but yeah or pirate yeah. Oh, yeah, we could do that. You could do that, but I also <laughs> want these shows to keep getting made. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, they need to stop being so damn greedy. It's true. It's very true. Uh, what was the the what was the other thing uh, Disney-related that we wanted to talk about? Uh, they want to buy Fox. That's right. We They had Marvel or Disney was in talks with Fox to maybe get, some, get, get their Marvel characters back. But those characters... Talks have been put on hold now. Yeah, like in the span of less than one day, it just came out that, you know, there was negotiations taking place where Disney could buy Fox potentially. <laughs> and apparently it wasn't even for the, the I mean, that was been a nice bonus, but it wasn't even particularly to get the rights to uh, uh, the X-Men and Fantastic Four properties, although right. that would have been a cherry on top. Right. Uh, from what I read, they were actually really looking forward to acquiring the rights to Futurama. Really? Yes, of all things. Of that, all that, things. That was one of the things that we're really looking forward to uh, potentially acquiring. And um, I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, but it, it came out later that same day that not only was this true, but it was actually no longer relevant because those were talks that were happening but were no longer taking place and no new developments were happening on that front. We were that close to getting... All yeah. of the superheroes, all the Marvel superheroes in one place. That that's incredible. And I just have to wonder if they ha- if that had gone through, how much would they have to pay 
Hugh Jackman to make one more appearance in a DC in a Marvel. Well, universe. he said he would love to come back if they did a Avengers versus X Men movie, some kind of crossover, or even had him be in the X Men. Like, I I I could see it. It'd be pretty awesome. Um, I don't know. That's I, I don't think they would need to pay him too much. But if I was him. I would. It's Disney. I would hold out for. I them would to, hold out for uh, the big. Yeah, definitely out, say no to the first uh, offer. Hold out for the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean money that they backed up to his truck, so there or his go. house. So, uh, yeah, that oh, man. Just thinking about that. Thinking about having the X Men and the Avengers in the same movie would just. That's. But I would definitely want to do some recasting on the X Men side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it would probably have to be the later version of the X Men to keep it contemporary. Yeah. So you'd have. Uh, Xavier, if he's still alive, I don't even know where we are now. That timeline. Are you talking about in the comic books or are you talking about in the movies? Uh, you know what? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very cool. Now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Thor Ragnarok. I don't want to give away too many spoilers uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, but uh, I think at this point, it, if you wanted to see it, you probably have. And you definitely should see it. Uh, oh, you should definitely it was see it. Damn good. Are you familiar with Taika Waititi's work before this? I've only ever seen um, What We Do in the Shadows, and I've heard he was involved in Flight of the Concords, yeah. although I don't know in what capacity, but I love Flight of the Concords. Yeah, he was, he was a director and actor on that. So. He did some episodes on that. Um, yeah, so I was a big fan of his going in. I When I heard he was going to be directing it, I just kind of scratched my head, like, okay. But, I mean, I'm so glad that they allowed for that to happen because this was just like a fucking delightful movie (laughs) it was it was so great yeah he you know he was also in the green lantern movie the he was uh ryan reynolds or hal jordan's friend the one that oh he was that guy yeah that was him holy crap i did not recognize him uh and and i don't know if too many people but he is he voices the character korg in thor ragnarok that i knew and that character just steals the movie doesn't he (laughs) and i think that was what it because in the comic book the planet hulk comic book korg doesn't really say all that much but it's not as soft-spoken either no and well at least it's in in comic book you can't really hear anything so you know i wouldn't think so but you don't get the impression that he's no. like a very sensitive like new zealander <laughs> and, oh another day another <laughs> doug <laughs> but uh yeah i think as a director you just kind of give yourself some of the best lines and you know and just hope that it works out that doug like recurring joke was just so funny it was great uh i thought yeah there was there was a lot of great things about this movie um wh- what a way to change in tone for the thor movies and and come out smelling like roses yeah i mean it really kind of like in comparison the first two thors like are just kind of drab in comparison i mean like in both tone and like production design color i mean this movie feels like it has all the colors (laughs) it really does i mean it's just out there and like the sound the music like they say like if you if you pay attention to the music then it it's not doing its job it should be kind of invisible or Mm -hmm. like whatever you shouldn't be paying attention to it but it it pays attention to itself in a good way because i enjoyed it i really liked it it's like the first score for a marvel movie i would actually consider buying a score not soundtrack not soundtrack right exactly okay. right. yeah yeah that's that's pretty incredible that's that's an, it's interesting to hear um i really enjoyed the way that they they made uh you know the hulk's character a little bit more intelligent yeah. so the fact that he could have conversations 
Not, <laughs> not eloquent conversations or anything, but definitely conversations. I know, yeah, he's much more intelligible. You can tell that there's a presence there instead of just a monster now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved uh, that they... I thought it was a little bit weird at first, but I, I really do love the way that they um, recapped everything that you knew that you needed to know coming into the movie like you know this is where the hulk was and he hasn't been around since then because he's here and then this is where thor was and this is why he wasn't around in civil war because of this and you know uh it it, it brings back you know things from dark world and it brings back uh things from age of ultron the, the way it handles callbacks is so masterful yeah. <laughs> and my favorite was uh like hey there big guy the sun's going yeah, down. Oh, man. That was so great. Having Hemsworth act like he was uh, being sultry, like yeah. the Black Widow, was too hilarious. <laughs> so then there's a scene where, uh, as we left the Dark World, uh, Loki is believed to be dead by everybody. Mm-hmm. And we know he takes uh, over for Odin. I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and as... Thor comes back to uh, to Asgard, Asgard uh, believing that he has stopped Ragnarok from happening. Uh, Odin, who is actually Loki, has a play going on where it's depicting uh, Loki dying in Thor's hands and uh, you know sacrificing himself for the betterment of Asgard. Now, in the play, you have people playing Loki and Thor. Yeah. Thor is played by Luke Hemsworth, Chris yep. Hemsworth's brother, the one that we talked about from Westworld. Yeah, the, uh, the the lesser Hemsworth we like to call. Him. <laughs> uh, should we talk about who's playing Loki? I don't see why not, because as Kevin Smith pointed out on his podcast, uh, this isn't the first time that actor plays a character named Loki. That is true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Matt Damon is Loki in the the play on asgard about loki dying from yeah. dark world that i was just i was that was okay i know it's a terrible problem to have but it's a problem that i had for this movie is that i was laughing so much that i kept missing parts of the movie like i really need to go and watch it again yeah only the more reason to go again yeah so that was i know what i'm doing this weekend <laughs> that was incredibly funny uh i if you haven't seen this yet i mean it's not now, did you catch who was playing um, Odin? Yes, uh, it was Sam Neill. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, in three, you know, really prominent cameos in the span of three minutes. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I mean, did you so, did you want to say something about Sam Neill? Uh, well, no, only that uh, fun fact. It turns out he's a New Zealander. I did not know that. I thought he was Australian, uh, but yeah, it turns out he's uh, a. I've never even heard him with an accent before. Ki- yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like he's that good. You know? <laughs> no kidding. Every uh, yeah, he does a great uh, American accent in like the Everything? three or four things I've seen him <laughs> in. Yeah, <clears throat> he's one of those actors that I love because he just did such a great job in Jurassic Park, and every time I see him in something. I really end up enjoying him. It's just he's one of those people I think should do more, just because how much I like him. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, there's just that scene alone. Like, the, the I went through several stages. Uh, you know, there was the disbelief of who I was seeing on the screen. Right. Uh, there was trying to contain the laughter so I didn't miss anything, 
And then it was just giving into it and being like, yeah, I'll just have to watch this again because that's awesome. That is, yeah, that, that's perfect. That's a great way of putting it. Um, like I said, I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but I want to talk about some of the, the supporting cast that in that is usually in Thor movies, or at least we'd seen in the first two Thor movies. Uh-huh. So uh, Jane Foster, uh, Natalie Portman, obviously didn't return. And written off in one line in one line it was of a mutual dumping it was a mutual dumping yeah that's essentially all it was uh so along with her we don't get so we don't get her um assistant played by cat dennings to show up again um we don't get we don't have eric selvig uh played by skarsgård stellan skarsgård skarsgård yeah skarsgård uh, skarsgård um but he is Involved in the Marvel U, I think a little bit more than Natalie Portman. At least he was in the Avengers movie. Yes, he was. Yeah, uh, he was in. Was he in? He was in. Was he in the Dark World? No. Yes, he was. Was that? Is that what it was? Oh yeah, cause, is that the one where he, they found him at the insane asylum or, uh, or the Stonehenge? Mental? Oh, I don't remember. It's okay. <laughs> uh, well, no, yeah, they arrested him because he was like jumping around naked at Stonehenge with those little sensor rods. Right. And then in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, um, he helped Thor have that vision and that. That's pool. what it was. Yes, yeah. that's what I was trying to go. Age of Ultron. He was there. Okay, so uh, the the Warriors three, not so great for them. Yeah. Spoiler, is- spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> Skip ahead a couple minutes if you don't want to hear this. Uh yeah, we we get to see Ray Stevenson as uh Volstag. He is using the Bifrost Bridge, and then he's killed by Hella, like instantaneously. Instantaneously, uh, Zachary Levi as Fandral mm-hmm. comes. He sees Volstag get killed. He runs up with his sword, screams ah, and then gets killed instantly. Yeah, Hogan's not around. Later on, he is around when uh, Hela is trying to take over the rest of Asgard. He's commanding the Asgardian army. He puts up a good fight. He gets he gets some talking lines, but eventually dies as well. Sif isn't even around. Jamie Alexander's not even around playing No Sif. mention whatsoever of yeah. what she's up to. Uh, can you think of any other characters, actors, characters that were in the other two movies that just were not present in this one? Uh, well, yeah, the you think you named all the main ones already. Um, we didn't really get any cameos uh, from any of the other Avengers other than Ruffalo as Hulk. He's not really a cameo. He's he's a central part of the story. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, we got a glimpse of Black Widow in like the little view screen. Right, and recording. that's more of stock footage or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it was exactly the same footage as the in uh, at the end of Age of Apocalypse. Right. Uh, I mean, it's more notable about who is there. I Age mean, of Ultron. We, we got, uh, yeah, sorry. <sighs> Did I say Civil War? You said Age of Apocalypse. Oh, Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Um, it's more like two and a half days of Apocalypse and <laughs> Age of Ultron, really. Uh, let's see. It's I think it's more notable that we had a good chunk, like, sized cameo. Of Doctor Strange, we did. And they kind of helped propel the story a little bit. But it was a lot of what we already saw at the end of Doctor Strange. That's true. Yeah, it I was mean, basically was just th- expanded a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, it was expanded. Yeah. 
uh, I did like the I did like that he is thrown in there, but it was it just felt really unnecessary. Yeah, it was funny though. It was funny doing all the little kind of magic shenanigans. And yeah, having Loki fall for thirty minutes. Now, in that scene, he's wearing the eye of Agamotto, but at the end of Doctor Strange, he puts the eye back. That is true. I um, I was wondering about that during the movie. I mean, they they probably did some kind of. Um, uh, retcon because also if you remember the the, the end credit scene or the mid credit scene with uh, Thor and Doctor Strange, um, he actually had some of that conversation about so Earth has wizards now when he's sitting on the chair. Right. Whereas in this one, it's he's before he's getting to the he's yeah the chair. when he's like first arrives to the the uh, Sanctum Sanctorum. Right. Um, so yeah, it sounds like they probably just did a little bit of retconning. I mean, they did a lot of retconning as a matter of fact in this movie. Uh, particularly when it comes to the Infinity Gauntlet that's in the vault, they right. finally explain what that's doing there, and it's kind of disappointing. It's just it, she says it's fake. Yeah, like, and then knocks it over. Yeah, and, and then she says, says a lot most of everything stuff is, is fake. fake. Yeah. yeah, that was weird because uh, the Eye of, of Agamotto was originally in the vault as well. I did not know that. Yeah, it was uh, kind of. A, it looks different than the the one that Doctor Strange has, but yeah, in the first movie, you actually see it as they're panning across the different relics, and it's. Basically, an eye-looking thing that kind of follows them as they move from one side of the screen to the other. So that was kind of weird. But so I find this interesting is that because uh, the the tesseract was in there, mm-hmm. the the cast was in there. That's from the first movie. Yeah, the uh, frost cast the, or whatever. Yeah, the ice cast, frost cast, whatever. But if Asgard falls. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Uh, Asgard falls at the end of the movie. It was called Ragnarok. It was called Ragnarok. That's what this is all about. Uh, What happens to the Tesseract, which we now know is an Infinity Stone? Well, I have a strong feeling Loki took it, and that's how he got out of the the vault to begin with. Because um, if you notice, uh, again, I guess we are kind of spoiling that portion of it, but when Loki goes in to throw the uh, crown of Surger into the uh, Eternal Flame, mm-hmm. he stops for a, mem- a moment to look at it. He's like, oh, there's the Tesseract. And I'm assuming that's what he used to get off the planet because they don't show how he got off. Well, you, you see the you see his ship. His little ship is attached to the bigger ship. So it, I think it's implied that he just jumped on the ship and, and, and took off. So then he must have taken it because... Uh, and this is a bit of like a higher level spoiler because this isn't something that's in the movie uh so if you really don't want to hear about this definitely skip about a minute ahead from now but uh in the trailer for infinity war that's not officially released right it's been leaked online though you do see a, a scene where loki is holding up the tesseract ah. and it looks like he's handing it to um Thanos? Thanos, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So he, he has to have taken it. I was wondering why they, they had that scene where he stopped to look at it. Because, yeah, uh, yeah I, I haven't seen that trailer yet because, it, I mean, it hasn't officially been laid out. I know there are bootlegs out there and stuff like that, and I haven't read anything about it yet. No, I don't give a fuck. I'll watch it. But <laughs> I did read one thing where they said, spoiler, 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 you know, in the in the in the... The Infinity War trailer, Thor has both his eyes, but at the end of Thor Ragnarok, he doesn't have an eye. Oh, no, even in the promotional material, the trailers that show scenes that take place during the end of the movie, he still has both his eyes, so they had to have done that in post. 
oh. or it, they were doing that on purpose to keep that a secret. But right. no, you're absolutely right. They kept that a very well hidden secret up until uh, up until I watched it. I had no idea that happened. Mm. Which so that's I think that's funny coming into uh, Infinity Wars. You have bearded Cap, blonde Black Widow, one-eyed Thor. Like everybody's going to just have a different look in this movie. Apparently. Oh yeah, that's going to be changes galore. <laughs> Okay, uh, some of the characters that got added, Grandmaster, played by Jeff Goldblum, uh, Valkyrie, at, played by Tessa Thompson, um, uh, Hella, Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. Michael, no, Carl Urban. Carl Urban, yeah. Playing uh, the Executioner, Scourge. Um, yep, yep. Anybody else of importance? Of importance. Uh, well, then we already talked about Korg. Korg uh, and Meek, and I, I don't think anybody actually played Meek, or it was probably just it was some motion capture. Person. Yeah, it's just voice. Uh, no, I think we covered all the major characters. Uh, I mean, and then Searcher, played by Clancy Brown. You know, I I thought I heard Clancy Brown's voice in there somewhere. Yeah, I was like, that guy sounds familiar, and I was like, oh, makes sense now. Yeah, <laughs> that dude's got like some great gravel. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, okay. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, I loved it. Go watch it. It definitely has a few plot holes, but it's not enough to detract from the overall experience. If you even remotely like Thor, I think you're really going to like this one. It's funnier. It's probably the funniest movie that's been released by Marvel. Really? I think so. Wow. Even more than the, the Guardians movies. I, you know, I actually like this movie better than Guardians. Wow. And I love Guardians, so that tells you how much I like this one more. I'm going to go on the record now. I think this is my favorite Marvel movie now, just as a package. It's got great music. It's funny. It's got, like, great production design. I just, I can't, I mean, even with its shortcomings, I can't hate anything about it. (laughs) Hey, I'm right there. I wouldn't say it's the best yet, but uh, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, Okay. Let's talk some Stranger Things. Chapter three of season two, The Polywog. Uh, I am still on the, I'm watching one episode a week so we can talk about it without going ahead. You have already skipped ahead to the end. I've seen everything, but I rewatched the episode prior to uh, the recording just to remember what what happened. Good, good. That's good. Um, I thought it was great that we uh, got a little bit more insight into Max and her brother, but not brother. That was crazy. When yeah. I, I, I want to know, does is that something? Is he just being a dick, saying "Don't call her my sister," or is he? Are they really not brother and sister? Uh, it's well, I don't really consider it a big spoiler to reveal it, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. Okay, uh, they're step siblings. Oh well, that was then. He's just being a dick. Yeah, uh, you know, it's such a weird. Like the dude is just weird in general. But he's there's just something alluring about him. Alluring? Yes. Really? Maybe that's the wrong word to use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I don't know. I find his interpretation very charismatic, though. Like, he's one of those dudes that plays a lovable douchebag in a way. Oh, see, I, I'm not he, getting he that writes, at all. He's he writes lovable. a very fine line. He's he's sort of the anti-Steve. He's definitely the but anti-Steve. But we ended up liking Steve. We do end up liking Steve. And I feel like he has that quality where he's just kind of writing this line where he's almost to the... Of, I mean, granted, he almost killed the kids in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah. But I still think that there's some sort of redeeming quality. I want to believe that there's a good boy hiding inside that bad character. <laughs> oh, John always bringing home the broken toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix them. I know it. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, that that was pretty cool. Um, 
Max getting to be more involved with the with the group. Uh, skipping ahead, Eleven breaking all the rules that Hopper has set up and leaving the cabin. Yeah. Uh, of course, she goes straight to the school and she sees the one time that um, Will, no, Mike. Mike. Mike is being friendly to Max. Like the two, he he has just been upset with Max this whole time. Yeah, he's been a Max hater. Is it and is it only because he doesn't want a girl in the group, or is it because he feels that Max would be taking the place of Eleven, and he doesn't want that to happen? I feel that's more like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just like he explained to Max. They had their their like raiding party set up. You know, everybody had their role, and they didn't need an extra. And honestly, I feel like he doesn't want to bring her in because he'll feel like that's replacing Eleven, which, I mean, he obviously still hasn't given up on. It's, uh, speaking of the roles, what was it? Okay, what did he say everybody's roles were? Do you remember? Uh, well, Mage is the Eleven. I mean, Mage. Eleven is Eleven the Mage. Eleven is the Mage. Wow, way to Yoda that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eleven is their Mage. I believe uh, Will is their Cleric. But didn't he do a fireball in the first, movie, first uh, series? Yeah, that would have made... Uh, will their mage technically yeah and i think he was like their wizard um but maybe they changed things up a bit i guess okay like and i mean i guess a cleric technically could do a fireball <laughs> maybe if you have some right scroll or incantation yeah, okay fair enough it's <laughs> we been can a while get since into i played like some, some D&D. yeah uh yeah so will's a cleric uh lucas is do you remember uh, i think lucas was the bard that Dustin was the bard. Is he the bard? I'll have to look that up then. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm super curious. I'm sorry now. I brought that up. But <laughs> I thought it was interesting that, you know, in the first season, when Mike is obviously cozying up to Eleven a lot, uh, Lucas is the one that gets super jealous and super pissed off about it. But this time around, Dustin and Lucas are very much interested in Max. And uh, it's not so much that Mike is jealous about it, but he. He obviously does not like her being around. Yeah, I think this is kind of like the shoe being on the other foot now, mm-hmm. where now there's someone he likes, and Mike is now like, yeah, what's uh, like he's all trying to put the moves on her, being all friendly, and it's not just him; it's actually him and Dustin. Right, the two of them are definitely c- competing uh, for the affection of Max, which I have, I would say she has not show an interest in either one of them yet uh however i thought it seemed like she was actually showing interest in mike yeah it kind of looked like that a little bit but i think she was really just trying to get on his good side or get some more information yeah maybe get some more information maybe she sees him as the leader of this little group and you know wants wants to be a part of it so she's like well i better get on the good side of them but uh, yeah, she was doing her tricks in the basketball gymnasium and uh, showing off to Mike. And Mike is actually, actually uh, cracking a smile. And Eleven sees this through a window and <laughs> uses her telekinetic powers to knock her off that skateboard. Yeah, I mean... Jealousy. Hell have no fury like a girl with psychokinetic powers being scorned. <laughs> now, just as a quick follow-up, it looks like their character classes changed because originally Mike was their dungeon master. Right. Will the Wise is a wizard. Lucas was a knight and Dustin was a dwarf. And that was in their 1983 campaign. So it sounds like they either changed it up 
in the meantime or they retconned that uh, in this new one because they definitely did kind of make it sound a little bit different. And this was back in the original uh, first edition of D&D when dwarf was an actual class instead of being a race. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> when you like, when if you were a dwarf or an elf, that was like that was a class instead of Vita race. Yeah, that, yeah. that was much simpler times. So. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, the the episode gets its name uh, from a creature that Dustin finds Halloween night coming home in his trash can. Uh, that's how the episode ends. He looks inside and and the episode ends like that. But or at least for him, uh, this time. He comes into the house, his uh, ghost trap starts shaking, and he tells his mom that he built in a little motor that will make it shake every once in a while. But And then they both have the uh, most awkward laughing session for some reason, because <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but come to find that he found something, and we know that it's something from the Upside Down. Yes. But he thinks he's found like a new species. Yeah, which of all places it would be in his trash can. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so he, he goes to the library and checks out like every book they have on uh, amphibians. And, and check out is a very uh, loose interpretation of what he did. He essentially stole because... He, yeah, he ran off with some library books because he was already past his limit. Apparently they only allow five books at a time and he already has five books out. Yeah, it's not like our local library, which, uh, hey, just a heads up, you can uh, have unlimited checkouts of books. There you go. As many as you can carry, I like to say. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, he says the only things that it could be are, you know, things that are indigenous to South America, and there's no reason for it to be there. Yeah, it's like one of those situations where you try to come up with every possible, possible rational explanation, but even that would still be such a leap of logic of, like, Oh, yeah, uh, a South American or East African amphibian just happened to end up in your trash can. <laughs> What's the odds of that, basically? Uh, and I did find it obvious and hilarious that, you know, every time that we were dealing with the, the polywog, or what does he call it? It's called, he gave it a name. He Was called it, it Dart, short Dart. for D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan, because the Three Musketeers. <clears throat> but uh, it, they, you hear gremlins. Essentially, yes, you do. So it's a lot of. I even think you hear uh, some of the sound effects of a gremlin. Yeah, definitely. It says uh, one of the trivia things here says you can hear the score from the movie Gremlins when they're in the AV room. I thought that's what I heard. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and yeah, you get a you definitely get a gizmo feel from Dart. I, at least I, I I felt that way. A little bit, yeah. Not quite as cuddly looking. Oh no, definitely not cuddly as looking. But uh, yeah, that with that kind of forbidden exotic creature. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. how he's already bonded with it and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, now, Will definitely knows what this thing is. Yeah, he had some flashbacks to uh, the slug he coughed up. Now this is actual flashbacks, as opposed to what the the episodes that he's been having. As, yeah, as opposed to those episodes of uh, him kind of venturing into the upside down. Um, yeah, so he goes back to the uh, final episode of season one, where he goes to the bathroom, uh, starts coughing up what appears to be a weird-looking slug creature, and then uh, briefly lapses in and out of the upside down. Yeah, and then everything goes back to normal and goes back to enjoy his. Uh, Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess what we're supposed to infer from that is that that slug made its way to Dustin's trash can. It has grown a little bit more. And as it, as we see it now, it's evolving rather quickly. Well, it's all that nougat. 
All it's, that nougat from the Three Musketeers. Yeah, it's fair a enough. special uh, ingredient for growing your own uh, baby slugs. <laughs> baby upside down slugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it get, it gets away because at the time, the rest of them want to destroy it, and it gets knocked over. It gets it, it scatters into the middle of the the school. Yeah, basically it escapes when they think that uh, maybe it's dangerous, and <laughs> yeah, they they let it get away. Then um, while they're looking for it, they all split up in the school. That was uh, at the same time. That was when uh, Eleven was there looking for Mike. Uh, it looks like Will is the one that finds it in one of the bathrooms, and he de- he goes straight into a episode uh, of being attacked by or being stuck in the upside down. Yeah, and prefacing this um, earlier in the episode, Bob gave uh, you know, played by Sean Astin, right, gave uh, Will a right to school after an, a big discussion about whether or not Jonathan could do it. Apparently, he couldn't, so Bob volunteered. And on their way to school, Bob kind of feels for him because he knows that Will's being bullied. And he, you know, talks to him about, hey, what's going on? You know, and when I was little, uh, you know, something used to bother me. He relates to him a story about how a carnival clown freaked him out. Of course it had to be a clown. Of course. Because, you know, it is a Stephen King thing and this is, you know, heavily Stephen King influenced. Yep. And it had to do with handing him a balloon, apparently. <laughs> uh, only thing he didn't say is any something about, you know, we all float down here or anything <laughs> to make it more obvious. Right. So, yeah, he basically says that, yeah, he started getting nightmares of clowns, and uh, what he decided to do was just confront his nightmare one day, stand up to it, and say, go away. Which, um, you know, in any other movie, any other scenario, this would all have been great advice and super helpful. And I thought it was also maybe a slight reference to uh, Lord of the Rings, because that's what Gollum does, well, Smeagol does to Gollum oh, to make yeah, him disappear. Yeah, you're right. Uh, go away and never come back. And um, so, yeah, that's the advice that he he gives to Will. And Will very naively follows this advice <laughs> during his Upside Down uh, episode. As the many tentacled thing starts to come at him from atop of the school. The, uh, the, the yes. Uh, now, I think at this point we have not, uh, because I have looked ahead, I know that this creature does have an official name now. Okay. Um, but as far as we know, this is still supposed to be the Thessal Hydra from the end of season one. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, that's not what he ends up being called at the end of it. They mm. consider him to be a completely different character than that. Oh. But we'll call him that for now because that's what Hydra. we know him. Yes. Okay. So uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me about the reveal of the Thessal Hydra uh, at the end of this episode when he confronts Will is that it appears to be incorporeal. Oh. It seems to be, like, made up of gas or smoke or something. Right, because it enters in through his orifices yeah. <laughs> in his head. He assaults the uh, the little boy's holes, Yeah, which makes me think of It's Always Sunny now. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's the the night, night Man Cometh. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Uh, it definitely does, it, it attacks Will in that way. Uh, now, also with the Byers family, uh, Joyce being told by Bob that uh, there's video of her son being attacked by the older boys. She takes a look at the video, which I am all I am super surprised that that camera is not damaged after it was dropped. 
Yeah. Uh, he said, there's no damage on it. I was like, that's bullshit for one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, camera like that back in the day being dropped from like two feet would have just ended and shattered. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fun but, fact, though, it turns out that that video camera is the same video camera Marty McFly uses. Of course in it is. In Back, back to, to the, the Future. future yeah. yeah, of course it is. Um, uh, she, she, in her amazingness is able to pause the video so that it's still clear enough and this is on vhs through a camcorder pause the video so that she can make out the shape of the thesohydra in the screen uh you know even though it's not a video of the upside down so which then tells you that uh, because we already know that they the upside down can manipulate electrical currents and stuff like that as we saw in the first uh, season uh, but she she traces it out with some wax paper on the screen, and she's like, "Oh my goodness, that's the thing that that Will's been drawing." Yeah, that's um, very convenient uh, occurrences that led to that. Yeah. Um, but and I also just wanted to point out that for somebody that didn't even know how to put the the tape from the player into like the VCR, <laughs> she was trying to put a one of the the mini VHSs into the VCR to play it that way, and she's like, "No, you have to have a cable." And Bob was able to walk her through it on the phone. Which anybody who's worked any type of tech support on the phone, you know, that's not going to work ever. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, this is giving me flashbacks to my last job." <laughs> like, okay, you need to get this wire, put it here. So yeah, but anyway, so. Long story short, she figures out that the camera somehow caught a glimpse, uh, it, albeit in a staticky way, mm-hmm. of the thing that Will Byers has been seeing in his visions. Right. And so she knows now that uh, maybe there's more to it, um, that this could be a real thing and not just like PTSD like they were suggesting originally. Um, so that's one of the reasons why she decides to kind of go and pick him up uh, from school. She also has kind of a mini freak out because she tries to con- contact Will to ask him about it. And when she finds out that uh, their AV class or their AV uh, extracurricular was canceled, right. uh, you know, that kind of puts her in a frenzy. So she just takes off like she peels out in a Ford Pinto. You know, and this the, it, they do one thing in this in this scene right here when she peels out that I really hate it when they do it in movies or TV shows anytime. And it's and it's a little nitpicky on my on my part, I know, but it just really takes me out of it every time. The dirt hits the camera. Oh yeah. And I hate that when the water hits the camera or blood hits the camera and it just stays there and stuff and I just like ah it it sucks. Like I want to know if they wanted to do that or if they just didn't they decided we don't need to reshoot that scene. Well, either it was on purpose to show that there is like the, you know, the I guess fourth wall there. Right. Or it was just one of those things of like, ah, it's who, who's really going to care that much? Mitch. Mitch Pinpike is going to care. Mitch is the one that's going to care. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, that's one of those things we need to take to the Twitters. To well, see, address. and I also thought maybe it's like this the show. I mean, though the show doesn't have to film the same way a traditional TV show has to film, like real quick, because they, ha- they have the whole year to do it. I mean, they still have to do a whole bunch of special effects afterwards, but I feel like maybe it's just like well we don't have the time to reshoot that so just go with that i want to choose i choose to believe that that was intentional mm. that was a stylistic choice okay um but it's not one that we see often like we don't often get the camera splattered with like you know viscera or anything that, like that. that's what i'm saying the times when i when i do see it i just it really takes me out and i i don't i never like it so 
Well, this might also bother you then. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, or it was Reddit actually, um, that the periodic table that they have in the classroom uh-huh. is actually inaccurate because it shows elements that were discovered after, after 1984. Uh, you know that doesn't really bother me all that okay. much. It's like it's like you they have to recreate so much already. Yeah. Like recreating something like that that's not I mean it, unless the scene is like, "Hey, look, here's plutonium on the and then you see the other stuff that's not supposed to be there, then I'll be like, "Oh, well, they they should have done better. The production designer should have done better about dressing that that scene, but if it's just in the background, that's not that big a deal to me." Now, that being said, um, so just to clarify, though, you're okay with anachronisms. You just don't like technicality or uh, production, things like details like that. Well, not ones that are prominent because mm. that scene is, is is right there. Like it's it's the camera view and it's right in your face that the, the dirt hits the camera and it's right there, you know, mm. whereas the, the periodic table is in the background. It's it's you have to be looking at that for it to to make a difference. Yeah, I suppose you have a point there. Now, kind of on a funny note, apparently some uh, people crashed a science museum's website when it was discovered that they had an exact copy of one of the sweaters or t-shirts that Dustin wears in an episode. Oh, really? It's like a fossil, like a skeleton of a dinosaur, basically. <laughs> so some people found a, a museum that had that exact same shirt. They bought, I believe, $400,000 worth of those types of, of that same shirt. Wow. And basically crashed the site because it just got flooded. Once it was revealed, like, hey, this place has this this shirt. They just got inundated with so many hits that it's just like their server overloaded. That's crazy. Yeah, it's an interesting thing like that to happen, I guess. Uh, yeah, so let me ask you this. For characters and Dustin being one of them that had that went through this last year of Will being gone, going you know having to fight the demigorgon, you know uh, knowing of the upside down eleven with her powers, is it is it dumb for Dustin to not be scared of of Dart to not think that this is something from the upside down? Well, now that he. They have a much better idea that it is something from the upside down because Will did tell them. Right. Yeah. He he said, "Oh yeah, I kind of coughed up something like that. Sorry, I didn't tell anybody." Um, I think Dustin basically bonded with it. But should he have bonded with it? Is no, it, is it, he yeah. should not have. I mean, but shouldn't his character shouldn't his character have been smarter than this? Like at the time that he found it. He should have. I want to say he's the one that usually is is. Uh, the driving force of let's get our teacher involved, you know, let's get the science down, let's do this, let's let's figure this out. Like usually, at least in the first season, that's the way that's the way I I saw him. Yeah, but I think this is to show us also that the heart can overwrite a person's logic. Ah, fair enough. Uh, I did also like the, the the exchange of dialogue between Lucas and Max, where he's Lucas is kind of like. You know, this is why they call him Zombie Boy. This is, you know, this is what happened to him. And here's the fake story. Like he's not saying the fake story, but he is saying the fake story to Max of another boy was found that we thought everybody thought was Will and and stuff like that. Yeah, he did a really good job of kind of like explaining, paraphrasing season one to her. Yeah, and catching her up without revealing everything that right the official story of season yeah. one. Yeah. Because as we all know, there is an official story that they're supposed to all corroborate. Or else. Which brings me to the next thing: uh, Hopper's storyline in this episode is he's dealing with um, the government scientist, aka uh, Paul Reiser's character, and you know he's like, "Look, 
it he's put he figured it out that starting at the epi- this this facility being at the epicenter uh all the living crops as you go further out are dying because of this place and you guys need to figure out why and paul reiser's character is like no it can't be because we're killing it as it's coming out uh but as we can see something is something strange is happening <laughs> something strange is happening that's <laughs> correct yes and uh so they decide to go take a look, and yeah, they're like, oh, something, that this is definitely unusual, so we'll look into it. Which I think is hilarious that, you know, the, though he's trying to keep covered, but you got all these government guys in these, you know, rectal suits, like, just trying to pick, uh, that are picking up pumpkins and stuff, but the two of them are just sitting there, like, nonchalantly talking about it. But, I mean, there's nothing more conspicuous about than, you know, guys in giant hazmat suits taking samples of things. Yeah, getting core samples from the looks of it. Yeah, <laughs> dirt samples. Yeah, it's. Uh, but who knows what they're finding at this point? I mean, that's, that's so far all they think it could. They don't even know what it could be, if anything. And obviously, Paul Reiser's character is kind of dismissive, even though he agreed to you right. know, go and have a look as well. Um, do you think that he? Do you think Paul Reiser's character really thinks that it has? There's no connection, or I no, think yeah, I think at this point he's incredulous, but you know because. He just wants to get Hopper off his back and maybe feels like they have nothing better to do. They're looking into it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think at this point in the story, he feels like this is just some random thing that has nothing to do with him. Mm. Okay. Uh, and Nancy and uh, Jonathan. Well, first Nancy and, and uh, Steve, Steve are on the outs because Nancy does, says she doesn't remember anything she said when she was drunk. Uh Steve uh, is very hurt by what happened. Yeah. Didn't pick her up for school. Uh, Jonathan tells her that Steve asked him to drive her home, but that didn't happen. Yeah, it's... That whole thing is just going to blow up in her face. <laughs> uh, now, yeah, they have come up with a plan to expose what happened to Barb to... Barb's parents, yeah, or at least so. that's what we're led to believe at this point. I don't know exactly what it is that they're gonna try and say to her, or if they're just setting up the people that are listening on the phone, because they know that someone's listening, and then we see that someone's listening. Yep. Uh, very elaborate plan for these two. Yeah, so they're definitely putting some wheels in motion for this in order to, uh, I guess, reveal the truth because. She just can't hold it in anymore. She has to tell the truth. And, um, yeah, so they enact this plan, and I don't know if that was a... If it's a good idea or bad idea. It it was, yeah. I was like, we'll see where this goes, but it's not the, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't be the advisable thing to do. (laughs) Uh, Any other cool things you want to talk about for this episode? Um, Just that... uh, yeah, Eleven's not a good listener. No, she did. She uh, but she own. did. I mean, she did express a lot of frustration with Hopper, and Hopper's not being. I, I think he's his heart's in the right place, but he's not giving her a little of what she needs. Like she wants to reach out to Mike. She wants uh, to leave to be able to leave the the, the uh, cabin a little bit. Yeah, and I, with this, I have to say that, you know, yes, it, it's completely smart what he wants to do, keep her locked away and, you know, keep her safe and stuff, but as is we've seen with any other TV show or movie that has to do with a 
teenager, they're never going to stay put. You know, they just they need to get out. So rebellious teens and then compound with that, the fact that she has telekinetic abilities. And I think the fact that she's grown out her hair now, if if he were to dress her and teach her how to act in in normal society, I I really don't think anybody would would see that she is, you know, the girl from the first from a year ago. Yeah, but there's no patience on her end. She just decides, you know what, screw it, and uh, well, interacts with the lady and her her baby. Yeah, <laughs> and then just do the most conspicuous things possible, like just act like a total weirdo and <laughs> move things with her mind in an obvious way. That, right. You know, cause it to draw attention from the uh, other sheriff's deputies and. Right. Yeah, it's what causes Hopper to like leave the scene of that. Uh, the pumpkin farm. The where, pumpkin where patch. Paul at Reiser's all. at. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, all yeah. kinds of things happen in there. So I'm excited for the next episode, the rest of the season. Uh, I, I I hope that you're excited for me to see the rest of the, Definitely, the season. Definitely, <laughs> because I mean we'll have some new things to talk about yeah. that uh, I can't wait to dive into. Cool. Uh, all right. Anybody has anything they'd like to say either about the news stories that we talked about or the Stranger Things episode, Stranger Things season two, episode three? We'd love to hear it. I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John's also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for all other archived episodes of this podcast and pod- other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network, as well as articles that we're writing and uh, video game reviews. So check that out and share a like. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.